Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 181 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, we are going to continue our mini-series on Thanksgiving by talking about communication. Let's dive in. Last week, we began part one of a three-part series on Thanksgiving. I decided since the holiday for Americans is coming up, we might as well spend some time and actually focus on this idea of Thanksgiving. Now, if you remember from the last episode, we were kind of giving an overview of what Thanksgiving is, and we we're talking about the fact that Thanksgiving is more than a meal. It actually is to be a lifestyle of the Christian. Well, I want to focus very specifically on this idea of the conversation of a believer, because the way the Bible puts our language is that it is to be full of Thanksgiving. Well, we know that there is an importance to the tongue or the mouth of a Christian. And we see this in a variety of different passages, specifically in the book of James. In James chapter three, verses three through six, James reminds us and he says, see how we put bits in the mouths of horses that they may obey us and we control their whole bodies and observe ships, though they are so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are directed with a very small rudder wherever the captain pleases. Even so, the tongue is a little part of the body and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? So in that passage, James then is saying, well, hey, look at the tongue. Even though it is a small member of the body, like a rudder on a ship or like a little kindle of a fire or like a little bit in the mouth of a horse, the little thing actually can wield great influence. Earlier in the book, James chapter 1, verse 26, James also says, If anyone among you seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. In other words, we are called to bridle our tongues. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth 
evil things. In other words, the heart reveals what is inside an individual. Likewise, in 1 Peter 3.10, we are told, He who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. There is something really critical about the tongue. Now, many of you know I've been studying the book of Ephesians for quite some time. (laughs) And it was interesting as as I was getting into chapter 5, Paul is setting up this incredible contrast between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And he doesn't use that language, but that really is the tone of the whole passage. And I'm kind of pulling that language actually from Colossians, which is a parallel book with Ephesians. But in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the lifestyle and then the communication of the life of a believer. And he's contrasting that with the kingdom of darkness. Now, let me just read you a couple of verses, and I really want to flush out this idea of the language or the conversation of thanksgiving. So again, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 4, Paul writes this, Do not let sexual immorality or any impurity or greed be named among you, as these are not proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting. Instead, give thanks. So again, Paul is setting up a contrast. He says that there's this lifestyle in the kingdom of darkness. And and what is it all about? It's all about twistedness. It's all about taking that which God has created for good, sexuality, and twisting that into something evil or distorted or perverted or, well, twisted. And he says, hey, in the life of a believer, sexual immorality, impurity, or greed should not even be within our lives. There should be nothing there to even be named within us because these are not proper among saints. And then it's interesting. He takes it almost one step further. And if that wasn't bad enough, he begins to talk not just about our lifestyle or what's the inside of our hearts. He's also going to talk about our tongue. And he says, there should be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which again are not fitting. These things are not proper in the life of a saint. So what is proper? What should be the conversation of a believer, of a Christian? And Paul says it is thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? That again, the tongue is so important in everybody's life. But in the life of a Christian, thanksgiving is to be upon our lips. See, there is to be nothing filthy or foolish or coarse within our language. And by the way, those words Uh, It's interesting that word filthiness has this idea of obscenity or speaking that which is shameful. Foolish talking has this idea of almost like that stupid conversation of a drunk person. It's kind of the way that the Greek kind of fleshes it out. And in other words, it's this idea of just randomly talking and babbling. And it's just, you're not really making any sense. It's just this, you know, drunken conversation. And the coarse jesting is that, that almost perverted humor or wit that evolves laughter and it degrades that which is pure or right or honorable or true. So here's God, he creates this incredible thing called sexuality. And when you begin to be crass or impure, or you're using it and you twist it and it becomes bathroom humor, you realize you're taking that which is pure and right and honorable and true and good. And you're beginning to twist it and you are perverting it 
even in your speech. So there should be no perversion in our lifestyle, nor should there be a perversion in our language. And again, Paul says that stuff is not fitting in the life of a Christian. And for clarity, Paul is not saying, well, you can have those thoughts and you can have that in the inside of who you are. Just don't say it out loud. Because remember, the mouth reveals that which is in the heart. And God's deep desire is for your heart to be changed, not just your language. So your language exposes that which is in your heart. And both of them need to be pure and righteous and made holy. So again, this is not like, well, just don't say it and it's okay, but you can think it. This is what would happen if God actually purified our hearts and our minds and our lives to such an extent that what our what came out of our lives, what came out of our lips actually was pure, righteous, holy, good, true, and it glorified Jesus Christ. Now, again, Paul is setting up this contrast. He's saying that the kingdom of darkness, the things of this world, well, how, how do the people in the kingdom of darkness, how do the people in this world talk? Well, it's full of crassness. It's full of rudeness. It's full of coarse jesting and, and foolishness. But how is a believer, a Christian, supposed to converse? Paul says, rather, we as believers are to give thanks. So in other words, rather than lifting up that which stands in opposition to Jesus Christ, we as believers are to lift up and give praise and adoration and thanksgiving unto Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I've read some of these passages already, but I just want to refresh and remind us what does Scripture say in terms about this idea of giving thanks in all situations? And again, if you want some other verses, you can look or listen to the last episode. But let me just give you a few more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Paul says that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4, 2, Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 2, 1, Paul exhorts Timothy, he says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Revelation 4, 9, it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits upon the throne, who lives forever and ever. And he goes on to say that whenever that happens, the 24 elders fall down and worship. Revelation 7, verse 12 says, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it amazing that in heaven, there is this declaration where thanksgiving is continually being made unto the God of heaven. That this is not just something that we do now. We are to always give thanks. As Ephesians 5.20 says, it says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, thanksgiving is always to be upon our lips. 
So really quickly, let me give you four key truths that come out of this idea of the conversation of Thanksgiving or the fact that Thanksgiving is to be our means of communication as believers. Number one, Thanksgiving reveals the internal reality. And I've already mentioned this, but it's really important to note that what comes out of our mouths is a revelation of what is in our hearts. That you can't just be speaking, yeah, we can fake it for a season, but when you really begin to listen to someone and how they talk and why they talk and the emphasis that they put upon life and the things, you begin to see and discover their heart and their mind. You, you see the internal stuff. So one of the reasons why Thanksgiving is to continually be upon our lips is because we live in the reality of what God has done in our lives. That when we see the fullness and the reality of the cross, we couldn't help but just give constant praise and worship and adoration for all that he has done in our lives. When we recognize that he is faithful, that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. When we know that that he has not abandoned us, that he will never ever leave or forsake us. Well, we can consistently and continually praise and adore him for who he is. So again, number one, Thanksgiving reveals the internal reality of our hearts. Number two, we must remember that Thanksgiving is at times a choice. In other words, it should be the natural outflow of of living in the reality of Jesus Christ. But there are times in our lives where sometimes we are so blinded by the circumstances, we have got to choose joy. Now, I really think that God should bring us to a place where we wouldn't have to force thanksgiving. In other words, if I just begin to keep Jesus at the forefront of my mind and he is my focus and he is my adoration, well, then I shouldn't have to force thanksgiving. It would just be the natural reality that just bubbles forth out of my life. But even when things are tough and even when things are difficult, I may at times have to choose to be thankful. And if I'm actually going to obey scripture and give thanks always for all things or in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make my request known to God. If that, if those scriptures are going to be true in my life, well, then I've actually got to choose to be thankful. So thankfulness is not an emotion. It's not based on, well, I'm feeling really good. Maybe I should say thank you. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, as parents, you know, you you tell your kids, what do you say? It doesn't matter if you feel thankful or not. You are still called to say Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. So realize that in our lives, even if you're not feeling it, choose to be thankful anyway. And what begins to happen is that when you choose thankfulness, you actually find that it begins to grow in your life. I, I love this idea that if you take a little kid outside when it's raining, right, they're going to see a puddle and they cannot help themselves. They don't have to make a conscious decision. They just, they cannot contain themselves. They have to jump in the puddle. What if we could get to the place that when we see the puddles of of our soul, when we begin to see these problems in our life, that we just can't help ourselves. We just have to give thanksgiving. See, most of the time we look at the puddles and just go, oh no, there's a puddle. What are we going to do? So what if God would begin to do something in our hearts and our minds and begin to train us to begin to actually obey and live out this reality of thanksgiving 
regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, regardless of COVID, regardless of election, regardless of what may be swirling around you, that we're always thankful. So number one, thankfulness reveals the internal reality. And number two, we have to remember that sometimes Thanksgiving is a choice, but it should be the natural outflow of our lives. Number three, Thanksgiving results in a life of leaping. Now, let me explain that. When you actually follow the root word back from the word Thanksgiving in the Greek, it actually is the root word for rejoice. And it's interesting that all over scripture, this idea of rejoicing, specifically like, uh, for example, Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, right? That word for rejoice actually contains in it this idea of leaping. See, when you are falsely accused, it's like your legs kind of go out from underneath you. <laughs> the last thing you can think about is I'm going to jump. But it's actually this idea that there's a bounce of your soul, that there's a leap within your spirit. As my good friend Eric Ludi often says that when life presses you down and puts all this pressure upon you, it's kind of like a trampoline, that the more pressure you push downward, the higher you're going to end up leaping. Or as another illustration he often uses that I just love is the Cheerio in milk. See, what would happen if we were like Cheerios in milk? Have you ever tried to sink a Cheerio? It's like utterly impossible. You push the Cheerio down in the milk and just bloop, it just shoots up to the surface. See, Christians are Cheerios and milk. We rejoice always. And it's not based on circumstance. It's not based on our situations. We are always rejoicing. And when life puts pressure, when things get tough, when things are hard, hey, when everyone is beat down, when everyone is living in lawlessness and fear, the Christian leaps forth in their soul. Now, that doesn't mean you have to literally leap physically, though we have found <laughs> that sometimes it's actually a great thing for your soul because the physical expression of leaping reminds your soul, this is what you are to do. So sometimes we need to say, all right, soul, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not because of the circumstances, but because God has made this day. So what would happen if Thanksgiving would result in a life of leaping? That all throughout our day, we just had this buoyancy of soul that would leap forth in every situation. Philippians 3.1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Colossians 1.24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. What a crazy thought that in the middle of sufferings, Paul says, I am rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Rejoice always. Leap. Pray without ceasing and in everything have thanksgiving. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 4:13 to rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. We are called to leap and have this buoyancy of soul that comes forth in our thanksgiving. And number 4, Thanksgiving is a great deterrent for sin. If you want to know how to fight the spiritual battle between sin and temptation and all the junk 
that comes against us, try thanksgiving. When temptations or trials or hardships come and you're being pressed upon, if you will turn your gaze to Jesus Christ and begin to thank him for all that he has done, thank him for the victory and the triumph, thank him for his life, you'll find that it's really difficult to fall into that temptation. I mean, could you imagine here's this temptation beginning to put pressure upon you? And instead of focusing on the temptation, you turn your gaze to Jesus and you say, Jesus, thank you that you are my victory. Thank you that you are my strong tower. Thank you that you are my refuge in times of distress. Lord, thank you that you are life itself and that nothing can come against you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are my protection against every onslaught of the enemy. Well, you realize that if you begin to live that reality, it's going to be really hard to give into that temptation when you're giving thanks to God for the victory in that temptation, whatever it may be. So a great deterrent to live in victory and triumph is thanksgiving. See, it is not an accident that the Christian life is one of thanksgiving. What would it look like if our conversation was full of thanksgiving? What if our hearts and our minds were just abounding forth with the reality of praise and worship and adoration and thanksgiving for all that God has done in our lives? You realize, again, it's going to reveal the inward reality of our hearts. That yes, it may be a choice at times, but what would happen if God began to do something in our lives where it just became the natural outflow of our very existence? What if what if Thanksgiving would have this buoyancy, this leaping as a part of it? And what if we would use Thanksgiving as a deterrent for giving into sin? In short, what would it look like if we were known for Thanksgiving? Yes, as a culture, we celebrate this holiday called Thanksgiving once a year. But a Christian declares and demonstrates Thanksgiving every moment of every single day. So as we head into this next week, don't just let this be a celebration for a day. Let this become the lifestyle that you begin to just exude because you have the reality and the life of Jesus Christ. We do have a lot to be thankful for because we have the God of the universe, not just on our side, but living within us. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those scriptures that I just read, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 181 for episode 181. And until next time, know I am thankful for you and all that God is doing in your life as you continually build your life around him. Now may this day be a day of thanksgiving.